0: everyone, welcome to Vicious Cycle, the podcast is about periods and the people who get them. I am a co-blosed Kate
1: Elston. I'm another co-blosed Meg Trowbridge. And I'm also a co-blosed Meg Hayes.
0: Yay, Woo. welcome listeners. Um, today's a very special episode. Um, we're getting into um, fertility and how I got to be with child, <laughs> how I got to be knocked up. How you got um, to be
1: without a period yes it's as a co-host of a
0: show about about periods periods. right like who am i to be hosting this show really
1: (laughs) see yourself myself that all the time (laughs) it was so funny guys i'm
0: such an idiot can i be honest with you the first time i saw my ob um i looked at the notes after on like the app you know on the doctor's app you can see like the notes she took about our meeting Mm -hmm. and she had listed amenorrhea as like you know why i was visiting because technically i have a, I have a lack of a period which is pregnancy but i was like amenorrhea how how does she know that when i was 16 i didn't get a period oh. for a year <laughs> it, did she go through my and i truly did not register and for like another month like what why she had written amenorrhea on my chart <laughs> mm-hmm. like i'm an idiot
2: i uh, see that wouldn't have clocked for me either because
1: like Why would they say amenorrhea? But didn't we, when we did the research, it says the number one um, cause of amenorrhea is pregnancy. yeah. Yeah. I think it's just
0: like, you know, it's just what they say. Like, she's in for amenorrhea. Next step, pregnancy. You know? They, don't, like, have, don't, they know. don't have
1: enough Latin words for another term, I guess. guess. But I'm an idiot. I was like, I truly was like, did she know that when I was 16, I had a mini eating
0: disorder, which caused a lack of a period? Like, did she really go back that far? Yeah, my, like, <laughs> like, where she get these files? <laughs> yeah. Anywho. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about that. We also have a guest coming on who was my fertility doctor, Dr. Danielle Lane, who's uh, who runs the Lane Fertility Institute. She's amazing. Um but before we get to all that, any period
1: updates from Chial? I'm splot courting. Okay. <laughs> Great. That's um this that's the name of the first book of the second set of trilogies. <laughs> Star Wars style. Yeah. It's like the prequel, prequel to all of them. It's like the first of the trilogy prequels. Mm-hmm. 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 mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> a Meg Trowbridge story.
1: Well, I think I'm maybe around ovulation uh, phase. But you do not. Op- right but you do not
0: ovulate cuz you have a period. You have birth control.
1: Right. I have to I feel
0: like we have to remind you that.
1: I know when it <laughs> really hurts. It feels like you're trying to kick me out of the club.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm the one without a period, so it feels like I'm yeah, So I, I guess so we we're should both be out. bullying
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> um no, I mean, I'm at home with my parents and like Are my thinks hanging everywhere? Absolutely, they are. (laughs) Do I sometimes forget which ones are used and which ones aren't? 100%. Is
0: it difficult? Is it easy to tell which one's which by the smell? No, it is
1: not. No. You have to look really hard because it's all black. And you're like, okay, I think I use this one.
0: Because even if you rinse it, it still
1: kind of smells. Yeah. Like, you have to, like... And I just hang. Well, and because I have to wash them so frequently... I have to time it just so to where I'm, when I'm on the fourth pair, I'm washing the other three. So then, and then I dry, hang dry them because you're not supposed to machine wash. So then I just have a mix match of dirty hanging things and clean hanging things. Oh boy. And, um, I really need a protocol for how I think to you do need that. a little,
2: so I have a little, um, I use an anthro baggie that just hangs, but it's like a paper shopping bag. And I put the soiled the ones soiled in ones. there and then the hanging ones are the ones that uh,
1: but then don't you the wash them initially and then have to hang them after they're used yes
2: but i kind of drape them like on the bag so it's like the bag so is half the spot and half out. yes half
1: up half down Got it.
2: so then they kind of dry <laughs> and then i just fully tuck them
1: in the bag i mean sure that could probably work. Meg,
2: you saying anthro
1: baggy the way you did.
0: It, was, it made uh, me vomit
1: <laughs> in my mouth, honestly.
0: It, it, a little bit. It reminded me also that after our goop episode, I, because while you were presenting your bleed search, I was Googling goop and now I'm getting served all these goop ads before every YouTube video. You're and it's so like one of being like, hi everyone. <laughs>
1: um, here's a mask for your face. I'm like, yeah, oh I did God. not ask for this. Cause I think goop knows that I'm too poor to even be served <laughs> those ads. <laughs> it's just like, she's not me. for
2: us. Because um, then today I was like, I have like have this sore shoulder thing going on, and uh, my coworker was like, Have you tried a? Because we have this theracane. It's like a massage cane, and my coworker was like, Have you tried a massage gun? And I was like. I never even heard of ma- of a massage gun <laughs> until I was jokingly looking at goop and they sell a four hundred dollar massage gun and he's like, You can get them for cheaper than that. They're great. What is my a massage gun? Mom has gun? one. Yeah, it's like it's like a gun and I think it's kinda like a bong 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 bong
1: bong 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 bong. She did it on my back and it was insane.
2: So it doesn't
0: it shoots like little tiny massage bullets like a, or a, what no, are we? Like-
2: you take it to the range. <laughs> what? <laughs> listen
1: to your. Well, well like, you listen to yourselves. A massage gun. Take a look in the like, mirror. Mm-hmm. It's like a big ball that like goes like that. It like goes. So it's back not even and a forth, gun. So it's not even a gun. No, so but there is a like a trigger. I
0: mean- <laughs> Allow me now to share with the listeners about how I became with child. Because it's, this kind of was a it was a journey. It kind of took me a while. The Megs have heard a lot of this, too, because they were, you know. The thing I kind of want to say is that I'm really, I think it's important to talk about this stuff because the more I grow up and talk to other people about this, the more I realize, like, how difficult it is to conceive um, for people of all ages. Um, sometimes. Sometimes it's not. I also know people that got pregnant first try, like my mother both times, <laughs> apparently. Um but, yeah, it, it wasn't happening for us. And I know that I kept the megs in the loop about this, but I didn't really talk about it on the podcast. And that's something I actually kind of regret because I feel like this is something I could have used this platform to be more open about. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, But there is – and, like, you know, it's still internalized, like, not shame so much, but just, like, I don't want people to know that we're not succeeding at this mm-hmm. was kind of the feeling. So I just, like, want to start the podcast by saying, like, I really applaud people who have sort of dedicated their podcast or their whatever to telling the story of trying to conceive, because I think that's a really vulnerable place to put yourself in. And actually next episode, we're going to have an interview with someone who did that Millie Brooks, who's a dear friend. Yeah. Um, so my whole thing was like, I'll just tell the story when I'm successful. And thankfully I, we did become successful with getting pregnant, but I do think it's a little bit of a cop out and, next life I will be more open about this I think (laughs) as it's happening um so I think you know probably on the podcast maybe listeners did pick up on the fact that Carl and I were like trying to conceive because I would mention things I was off birth control my it came up with my interview with my mom (laughs) and she like freaked out because she like treated me like I'm she treats me like I'm 18 still sometimes (laughs) and she like is like oh my god my youngest daughter's trying to conceive um so, you know, I think people maybe picked up that we were actually trying to conceive, but I wasn't really honest or, and open with how hard it was. So um, Carl and I, my husband, Carl, acquaintance of the pod, um, got pretty serious about conceiving the end of 2018, I would say. Um, and I was using the clue tracker like many of us do to figure out when I was ovulating, which I will now say was totally inaccurate in tracking my ovulation and we can, I'll come back to that later. But, um, if people, I think want to start trying, maybe don't rely on your clue <laughs> app tracker. Yeah. Um, cause it was just wrong. And, um, but my whole thing was like, I'm regular. Like y'all know I'm like a 28 day, two and a half, three day period person. Um, so I was like, I had no reason to suspect that my ovulation would be anything but a 14 day situation so yeah during this time when we were trying to conceive I there were days and y'all were a part of this where I would be like nine days late and my period I just think was being like hey, hey, hey psych! <laughs> um and it was really hard because
2: um, it was and like, I think you,
1: it was I mean
0: those were wanted yes. like lateness yeah. like I was like hoping to yeah.
1: Kate are there um affordable ways to find out your ovulation cycle
0: that's a good question for um, the doctor. Okay. I mean, I think testing your temperature is probably the mm. cheapest. And I've heard the most accurate, but it's really time consuming. You got to track your temperature. Um, like same time and every then, day. Same time every day. And then like know your cycle so well or know the, the, the gains and drops in your temperature that you have sex before the spike in temperature happens Mm -hmm. Hmm. um whereas with what i ended up doing was peeing on a stick um which i think we're in the end cheaper than pregnancy tests and you get a lot of them Mm -hmm. you get like a whole cycle's worth um that you can pee what for me what worked is you pee on it and then you have to conceive in like the next day so you're like okay cool we got 24 hours to like get horny (laughs) Um, (laughs) good luck so yeah Um, so I was getting more and more bummed by the presence of periods. And I think y'all were very aware of this, that that time we all had the New Year's gathering. I had just gotten it and I was upset and I was just like so tired of getting it. But truly having the podcast and having a reason to get a period was still really fun because then I could like have a funny diva cup story to Mm -hmm. tell. So I'm really grateful for the podcast in that way. Like there was always like a silver lining. So yeah, but starting a year before that, before I was like at the, like just like so sad about everything about a year before that, I was like, Carl, you know what? You're going to go to see a fertility specialist, a urologist. Cause you're the easiest one to check out. If something's wrong on your end, we'll fix it. So, um, how
1: long had you been trying at that point?
0: I think about six months. Okay.
1: Because didn't they say yeah. try for six months and then come back or something?
0: Yeah, I think at our ages it's like if you're like in your twenties. Well, this is what Carl was told: try for a year. If you, but but then but in our ages, if Carl's older than me, like six months and then come see us. So after so like it was like February of 2019, we went to see a fertility, or he went to see someone. And I think, you know, for men there's a little bit of dragging of feet with this. And I think we can talk to Millie about this as well. And like, there's a little bit of stigma. I mean, there's stigma for both, for both partners probably in this, but But men talk about it for men a
1: gajillion times less often. Exactly. And I
0: think there's something to, I think on, you know, um, am I not, you know, is my sperm not strong enough kind of stigma? Um, But he did. And I'm really grateful that he like took initiative and went and did it and also during this time i have to say i asked permission if i could share this he started seeing a therapist and i think that really like helped him emotionally Mm. deal with some things that all contributed to his wellness in the end um so i'm really proud of him for that amazing um the the doctor that he was seeing at the urologist it took for fucking ever to get his results like i think they still haven't sent us his results so like in the meantime we were just like fuck it we're gonna go see this is like by late 2019. So like six months after he f- I saw the initial person, we were like, fuck it. We're going to go see someone, a private practice. So I just like Googled who took my insurance. And I ended up with Danielle Lane at the Lane Fertility Institute. And right away, she was so fucking awesome. Um, she like in the first meeting we saw with her, she sat me down, like spread my legs. I had a tra- transvag ultrasound right away. Um. The nurse, the nurse was like, Yeah. It's like the dentist. You like come in and we like check your vagina. (laughs) Like we like, like we would check your teeth. Um, so right away we, we got the sense that like my ovary, there was no like cysts or no, you know, nothing indicating that anything was wrong with my ovaries or uterus. Um, so that was good. Um, she sat us down in her office and she was so no nonsense immediately. She was like, Carl, do you smoke weed? And Carl was like, yeah, stop it. (laughs) You need to stop it right now. Like she, he didn't even like finish his thought.
2: (laughs) No more weed for you.
0: No more weed. And I was like, told you so. (laughs) Um, so she was like, you need to stop. And in like three months it'll clear itself out, but you need to like go cold turkey because weed does like whatever it does to you it's doing to your your junk Mm. to your boys Mm -hmm. um and i also just remember her being like saying something like really no nonsense to us was like this should work like a uh, sperm and a uterus it should make a baby Mm. so like something's wrong like there is something wrong it's not i'm not gonna like sugarcoat this like this works for people so you so we need to figure out what's what's causing the problem so I appreciated that. So it wasn't like Carl. Oh, Carl, it's okay. Because I feel like he was getting that a lot from the last place. Mm-hmm. Was like, it's probably fine. You're probably still a strong man. Right. Like it was like no something. One of you, there's something wrong. Yeah. So we both took a bunch of blood tests. And I will say, pro tip for anyone <laughs> going through this, like just make sure that your blood tests are covered by your insurance. Because there was just a lot of wrangling. Mm. Like, just, like, you know, I was get, getting tests for things I didn't know what for, and then I would get a bill, and sometimes they were covered, and sometimes they weren't. So, it was just a reminder to myself to advocate and just be like, hold up, Dr. Lane. Like, what is this for, and what am I paying? Um, but that's also not her fault. It's the fault of our super system. complicated insurance system. Mm-hmm. Um, Carl had a sperm test, like, pretty much right away, um... And the other big test that I did, which Meg Tro, I think you've done as well, is the um, the HSG, the how the hyster, okay, this is how you pronounce it,
1: (laughs) 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 Okay, I'm, I'm gonna take back my laugh. That was legit hard. It was like it was like when you kick a soccer ball in a corner kick and you like back up to get ready to kick the ball. You're like backing way up. Here, can You're you like? Wait, I'm gonna wait, wait, play. I need to back up even further.
0: Um, this is how you pronounce it according to YouTube.
1: Excuse me.
0: So yeah, I had that, and I actually. Let me see if I can pull it up. I called and left a message about this right after it happened on the on the vicious cycle voicemail. So let me play that for you guys. Any questions so far while I try to pull this up?
1: So all in all, how long did it take you? So you started. So you did six months of trying
0: and then like six months of waiting on the results Mm -hmm. and then maybe another five months of with danielle lane
1: and you were trying that whole time it's not like you were waiting and not trying of course yeah we're still like
0: actively doing it the old-fashioned way and
1: so like um, a year and a half
0: i think so yeah there Um, were some i mean there were some some um some date some months where we were just like you know what i don't want to do it this time because i don't i don't want to like get a period and be sad again so can we just like skip it for a month okay so This is that message from when I had the HSG. So basically, let me describe what a histologography is. (laughs) A HSG, it's an x-ray test that basically shoots this purple dye into into your cervix, into your um, fallopian tubes to see if the fallopian tubes are blocked. So the purple dye is seen through an x-ray and they can determine in the moment um, how your fallopian tubes are. Like if there's a blockage, if there's a rupture, if there's anything. So this is like the first big test I did because it was like, um, you know, is, is Kate's, is Kate part of the problem? So here's that voicemail. Hey everyone, it's
3: Kate from the podcast. Um, funny story, (laughs) called the wrong number at first and got a man. (laughs) Uh, it was a little odd and I was like, this isn't my hotline. Anyway, um. Now I'm calling back. I just had an HSG procedure, which is a word I can't pronounce, and I'm sure I'll look it up and we'll say it all together on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But, wow, what an interesting experience. So what it is, it's basically like a pap smear where they put a catheter into your cervix and put purple dye in, and then you have an X-ray so they can look at it in real time and see if there's any blockage. Um it was crazy, and I, I just came off of it, so I want to talk about it just now so I remember. Um, I wasn't feeling nervous at all about it until I got in. Um, the nurse was explaining what was going to happen, um, and um, so she said it was going to feel like a little bit of menstrual cramping, but nothing too crazy. But then she was explaining how, and sort of the doctor then came in, and he was really great, but he also explained how – like the catheter's going to go into your cervix and then they put a balloon like they inflate a balloon so it doesn't the catheter doesn't pop out or something and then that's how they get the purple dye anyway it was very weird and strange the doctor was great though and he was very talkative the whole time which was I appreciate it I like to know what's going on but at one point he like showed me the catheter and I was like I didn't need to see that um <laughs>
1: Please make that meme, please. Does the catheter in your face? I don't need to see
2: that. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, so all in all, it took like five minutes. Um, and I was like, you know, I, <laughs> I always feel funny going into these appointments because I want to tell them that I have this podcast and I'm like really interested about my body and all the things. And I, I want to see on the TV screen the x ray as it's happening. But it was a, it was not super painful. It was just really awkward and it was like awkward for a, you know, a couple minutes or right? as opposed to a patch smear, it's quick and over. So this one is sort of just like you're laying there, like just kind of in an awkward position. And I am starting to sweat and get a little nervous. And he shows me the x-ray screen, which is about to have the purple dye appear. And I was just like, you know what? I don't need to see that. I don't want to see that. I just started to get really lightheaded and it was sort of like I never look at like when my blood is drawn it was that same sort of like flight or fight reaction where I was like no 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 no. I'm good I'm good I'm good
0: so yeah uh it was a very maybe one of the most interesting like medical experiences I've had and Meg T maybe you can talk about it too because you see it you can look at the x-ray while the dye is going in and you can see your tubes and I should show you guys the picture I don't have it on me but I'm happy to post it. Like it's it's your x-ray and a little tiny like sliver of purple. Um, and it was cool. And they could tell that my tubes were fine. Although the guy did say it took me a while to get the purple dye in there. So it could have been that your tubes were blocked and that this dye unblocked them. It out. We don't know. Wild. Yeah. So that so maybe that was happened. But anyway, I left the that appointment with pretty good news. Um, and then meanwhile, Carl got his results back and that he confirmed that he had low motility. His motility was on the low end. So the doctor was like, stop smoking weed. That was pretty much it. I know other men are told to maybe not drink as much or be more active, but it was just like, it's the weed you smoke every day. So it's just zip it. Um, so he did, he went cold Turkey and I'm really proud of him for that. Um, so cut to, um, Oh, meanwhile, she's also telling me to pee on a stick and test my ovulation so we can know yeah. in the meantime when we're doing it the old-fashioned way when we should actually have Cause
2: sex. Because did your blood tests notice anything different about your ovulation? I don't remember the, anything of the... I had so
0: many blood tests mm-hmm. that I can't remember that nothing... Maybe there was something about that, but no one ever told me that my blood tests mm. related to ovulation in any way. Ah. Um I don't. I truly don't know. Again, advocate for yourself, people out there, because I didn't. I was just having blood drawn, like whenever they asked. <laughs> there ask you me go.
2: To.
0: <laughs> I'm like whatever. Um, but I figured out that I actually ovulate 28 or 29 day cycle. I'm ovulating on day 17, 18, or 19, ah. which is super duper late. So it could have been that this whole time we were just doing it way too early in the cycle. Mm. Um, so with that knowledge, we kept trying the old fashioned way while Carl's sperm was getting hopefully a little less stoned <laughs> and, um, still, still wasn't pregnant. So I wasn't pregnant. Um, so at that fast point, forward. You were
2: trying at the right
0: time. Yeah. So like, I think that the, the P stick and, and the doctor said, once you get that positive test on the ovulation, it means you have about 24 to 36 hours to mm-hmm. do it. So wait a day or a day and a half and then go for it I also heard from friends no that means you should have done it yesterday Mm -hmm. but I don't know like I was just trying to follow the doctor's orders and I'm sure everyone has different experiences Um, so yeah it just means I ovulated really late so Clue App don't make it look like it's so like blatantly true that you ovulate on day 14 yeah and and Um, the thing
2: about Clue App is that you know irregardless of how long your last cycle was, it will always predict day 14. Like, That's it doesn't so adjust, you know? So it's true. It's really not the right thing. It, but I, like, like Kate and I were both, like, all right, this is the window time. Let's get busy. Yeah. But with each other, and then we realized, oh, we can't get each other pregnant. So then we got the guys involved. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> was a whole thing. That was our first mistake. It was truly. Why wasn't I, I, I invited?
1: Meg, you were in LA, okay? You weren't here. <laughs> Yeah, that's always your excuse. Whenever cool stuff happens, like handshakes or hooking up happens, I'm always in LA.
0: So, okay, so yeah, so fast forward to about March. Um, Carl's been off weed for a couple months, I've had my HSG and other things. Carl's weed or his weed sperm has hopefully <laughs> gone down so we finally decided that March would be a good time to try there were other times we were maybe gonna oh also I should say this is for IUI this is for intrauterine insemination so basically as we'll talk to Dr. Lane there's a couple options you can do when trying to conceive one of them is IVF which I'm sure everyone's heard of where you, you do stuff outside the body. You make the sperm and the egg <laughs> outside and then you implant it, which is exactly, Kate's, I know what yeah, I'm talking Kate's about. fingers Obviously.
2: are very authoritative as she's talking about yeah. this.
0: Yeah. So IUI is intrauterine insemination, um, which I didn't actually know was a fucking thing until like <clears throat> we started this journey of Carl and I, like it was like, Oh, there's another thing you can do. I don't think sort I did of, either.
2: Like, sp- so I think, The only reason I've I sort of know about it is because I think this is what they jokingly are like turkey baster, right? Yes. So yes, exactly. It basically is a little more invasive than that, but
0: medical turkey baster. (laughs) I think is we can we can confirm that. But basically, yeah, it's it's literally a treatment that involves placing sperm inside a woman's uterus to facilitate fertilization, intrauterine insemination. for me, I saw it sort of as like a giving the sperm a head start yeah. if it was low motility. Although my doctor did say if it's low motility, a little bit of head start ain't gonna help very much. Mm. Like it's it's if it's low, it's low. But we were like, you know what? Let's try it. Let's have this be the very first thing we do. And
1: it's way less invasive than IVF. Way less invasive. Yeah. Way less expensive. Mm-hmm. I
0: didn't need and I didn't need to do according to all the tests. There was no, I didn't have to take a shot. I didn't need anything to stimulate follicles or hormones. Like. Everything looked good on my end. It just seemed like we needed a head start. I'm, um, I'm
1: um, imagining like a t-shirt gun, you know, different from yeah. like a sporting event.
0: A massage, a massage gun.
1: gun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what it looked like because, again, after the catheter incident, I was like, I don't need to see whatever you're about to put <laughs> no, on No, listen to um, this
1: podcast. Everything is fine. We have a couple of them. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Turn it up real loud so you can't hear anything.
0: Yes. So, um, funny story though, before, so, you know, March was coming up. We knew it was coming. I'm still peeing on a stick. I went on a vacation with my family. Um, my mom, so, you know, the, in my mind doing the calculations, I was going to be ovulating on the weekend. Carl and I went away for our five year anniversary. Right. So I'm doing the math. I'm like, that's interesting. I don't tell anyone, but I did tell my mom, Hey, after this trip, this family trip, Carl and I are going on a five-year anniversary romantic getaway. And she was like, I bet you'll get pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, okay, she doesn't know I'm about to ovulate. Maybe my mom's a witch. Maybe <laughs> she's going to, like, bless this. She's absolutely like, a
2: witch, but...
1: Yeah. So, so Confirmed.
0: So, yes. Let's talk about the, I, the day I went to get IUI. So, Carl and I have our five-year anniversary. We do it the old-fashioned way a lot. <laughs> it was a great trip. That's all I'm going to say.
2: Also, I just love... Fas- You've said old fashioned way a bunch. Can we just say other things like you had penetrative sex? You, you had did front it- door sex. Front door. Yes. yes. I was going to say also like old fashioned way, like in ancient Greece, they were doing it all kinds of ways. There was doggy it's style. True.
0: That was- it's true. I meant old fashioned like not. You wore bonnets? No. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We wore. Yeah. I wore a um, pilgrim hat and he wore um, an old timey newsboy cap. We both
1: wore like judicial wigs. Mm. (laughs) Yes, actually that
0: is that is our kink please don't share that with anyone um so we okay whatever meanwhile i'm still peeing on sticks (laughs) lo and behold on day 17 i test positive for about to ovulate so it was a sunday so i called the doctor and i was like heads up it's go time so they schedule carl to come in on that monday um to do the whole sperm thing which then i realized that they clean they actually like make the good sperm they like wash it i imagine it's going through a little like like centrifugal kate's shaking around like she's giving
1: a like a hand job to a baby (laughs) carrot
0: yeah so they do that (laughs) then i come in like two hours later meanwhile it is march 16th 2020 (laughs) from the time carl goes to the time i go to the doctor mayor london breed has initiated a shelter in place for covid (laughs) so i'm just like what motherfucking kind of timing do i have right now so i ride my bike to the fertility clinic it's the streets are already empty it is so fucking eerie i'm like what am i doing i get to the doctor's office i'm like dr lane what am what's happened like what actually am i doing why am i should i be trying on purpose to get pregnant right now like truly she tells me in her like infinite wisdom, like it's never a good time to be pregnant, Kate. Mm. Like it's you're never it's never for women it's never a good time to be pregnant. And I was like, this is true. Um, so
1: Kate, you were supposed to. I'm just putting this together. You were supposed to be on this anniversary trip, and then you had to cancel no, it, no, right?
0: No, no, no. We did. No, we went on the anniversary trip. You did. I peed. I peed positively the last day we were there.
1: Got it. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So we. So that's the
0: thing. We had. D- we had done it a bunch. Again, bonnet and cap sure, sure. Um and so I, that was kind of one of the reasons I'm sitting there, pants off, in front of Doctor Lane. <laughs> she's got like the vial of Carl's sperm with his name on it, and I'm <laughs> and big and sharpie letters talk.
2: Carl K.
1: Carl K. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: and and you know I'm she's talking me through it. She's telling me what she knows about COVID, which is not mm. a lot with pregnant women. Um, And pregnant people and babies. There's not not a lot of knowledge. But what we do know is that you never want to be sick as a pregnant person. So even when you are pregnant, you don't want to get the flu. You don't want to get pneumonia. So this is just another thing you don't want to get. But I had said, you know what? On our anniversary trip, we did do it so much anyway. (laughs) So let's just go ahead and do it this way with the IUI. And if we don't get pregnant, it's a data point. It's that this didn't work either. Um, And actually, she warned me. When they clean Carl's sperm, um, it still looked like it was on the lower side of motility. Like it would, it was still doable for IUI. But she was like, "I don't know if it's gonna work." Spread my legs. This is when I realized that it was actually going into my uterus, which I should have known because it's called intrauterine. But she goes, she's like, "Now I'm gonna put it in through your cervix into your uterus." And I went, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> like. And then I went, oh right, I'm an idiot who should have looked into this for two more seconds. Um, also, you but it was rode painless.
1: your bike. You had to ride your bike home,
0: but it didn't hurt. It was like a pap smear. It really. I mean, everything's like a pap smear. Did the ba- like, like, like that do.
1: Did the junk fall out onto your bike? Is what I want to know. The spunk, the sperm. Yeah, I mean, we're do adults here. Have- it was this spunk it was- fall onto your. It goes no, it goes into your uterus. So it's I, I like, mean, if you have a, a relaxed cervix, you never know, Kate. I mean, no. Kate, how loose because... how
2: loose is your cervix, Kate. How loose are we
1: talking? <laughs> is it a smiley I don't face? Think
2: it will be. <laughs> okay. Um
1: Soon enough. Because
0: here's the the other funny thing too is that I thought maybe after the procedure, which again is just like a pap smear. It's just wow. like she shoots in the the syringe and squeezes the sperm into the our, uterus. Our and bodies are
1: shaped very Insane. differently. This would not just be like a pap smear to me. I'd be like on all fours, upside down, <laughs> screaming like <laughs> it's still not the right angle. God, help yeah. us. It was yeah. It all worked
0: out. I I thought maybe she was gonna make me like put my legs up like I had been doing after sex. <laughs> you know, where it's just like gravity, take yeah. your you know, Hang do tight. your thing and she just was like lay there for just a couple minutes and then you're on your what? way and I biked home in the eerie biked covid home. streets. Damn. It didn't I was nervous and happy and weird and nervous and excited yeah. and what the fuck did I just do? Did I just like willingly try to get pregnant during this like pandemic that I don't know. Um and then you guys I got pregnant first try. IUI. Crazy. Woo. So um. Then y'all like did the period math. So like yeah. two weeks later, you both Kate were told like, us,
2: like, "I just did IUI today," and we're like, "Okay." So every time doing we're the math zooming, on the fingers, we're like, <laughs> when
1: "Period updates, us? anyone?" Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Um, no particular period update yet." Mm-hmm. But you guys, I told you guys pretty much right away, like, because I was like, "They're gonna know immediately with the math mm-hmm. of the period." That so we, I told you guys after a recording, I think one of our yeah, one of our COVID recordings, mm-hmm. yeah. And here we are now. I'm 22 weeks along and I'm really grateful and um, grateful for Dr. Lane, grateful to Carl, um, grateful that I probably drew a really good straw in this (laughs) metaphor that I'm butchering. Um, Yeah, that I guess we didn't have it as bad as a lot of people. Like, it was a lot of sadness trying. But once we, you know, did the procedures, it actually went really quickly and smoothly Mm. um, without a lot of lost hope. So I'm really, really grateful and um, I'm happy for this podcast and I'm happy for my future baby to also hear this podcast (laughs) and hear your voices. And now she's heard about me and her father doing it the old fashioned way. So hi, future child. (laughs) I'm so sorry.
2: It's important to destigmatize that early on. You know what? She's going to have to Sex learn the hard
0: natural. way. <laughs> um, so anyway, that I felt like I I blew through that. But I, I did feel like the whole time I was like, you know, with the HSG especially, I was like, well, ta- I'll talk about this on the podcast. I'll talk about it. I want to talk about it. But it was just never, it never felt right. And I think part of that is that Carl, you know, I would have to drag Carl into this mm. because, you know, I don't, and I didn't want to put his private life on blast but um I do wish that this had been a conversation I was having more honestly while it was well it was a struggle
2: mm-hmm. and not just like it worked you know mm-hmm. yeah I I recognize what you're saying about you know feeling like you maybe copped out not talking about um the the struggle to get pregnant until you got pregnant um but just talking about, you know, we're women of a certain age and like since I talked about the ectopic pregnancy, then it kind of became clear like, oh, well, you know, I was sad about it. seems like I probably wanted to get pregnant. And now it's like it's a part of my identifier with other people. Mm. And I'm like, that's cool, but I'm so much more than someone who's trying to get pregnant. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm still really pumped about my career and I'm still like, love the comedy stuff I do. And, you know, Kevin and I are like avid camper, you know, it's like, but kind of, it, it becomes this thing that people are like, Oh, still not pregnant. A box, you know, put you in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like, and I mean, maybe you feel frustrated, like, like, yeah, I'm not in a relationship. That doesn't mean I don't have these other amazing things happening to me. It's like, these things that kind of still are put against women that are yeah. like, you haven't hit these
1: milestones. Oh, yeah, and we bad. hold ourselves up to that. I mean, my mom, Absolutely. when I was talking to her about Kate being pregnant and stuff, she was like, do you feel sad that like, you know, all your friends are married and having kids? I was like, <laughs> not really. <laughs> I mean, like one, thanks mom. Two? I know, <laughs> thanks for the pep talk. Um, <laughs> but also like, who would I be? be married to (laughs) who would I have a child with that doesn't sound exciting to me
0: so anyone that's like struggling there's such a great community out there that I think I haven't even explored of just like online of of folks Mm -hmm. trying to conceive so we'll talk to someone about it next week um yes or in two weeks, depending on if this episode becomes two episodes. We don't know yet. Um,
2: <laughs> Maybe it'll become four episodes. Maybe let's it's get crazy. Let's go. <laughs> it's going to become 12. They're going to be 12 10 minute episodes. Sorry about that. We need to expand our week. Mixed up in order, and you have to put them together like a puzzle. <laughs>
1: Oh, boy. And then you get Kate's baby if you get it right. (laughs) Hey, wait a minute. (laughs) The Megs voted. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Hey, this is Kate popping in real quick to let you know that it was literally at this point in the conversation when my fertility doctor, Dr. Danielle Lane, hopped on the Zoom call. So let me pull out real quick to introduce her because we didn't get a chance to do that in the moment. Dr. Danielle Lane is a highly regarded reproductive endocrinology and fertility specialist who provides fertility services for residents in California and beyond. In 2009, she founded the Lane Fertility Institute, which is where I met her. So let's get to that conversation.
1: <laughs>
0: Dr. Lane, thank you so much for doing this. Um, these are the Megs. Hi, uh, Megs. We're all best friends and we have to do this remotely now, which is hard <laughs> Yeah, Um, wow. So I I was just telling the listeners about the sort of, like, journey to conceive that Carl and I had. And obviously you were the integral part in that. And I was telling them how, um, yeah, you were just you know no nonsense with us as soon as we we showed up at your office you demanded that Carl stop smoking weed
1: (laughs) I want to know how often you have to do that in the San Francisco Bay Area well I
0: was
4: gonna say in California you have to do that a lot right like I had first I had to reset my thinking because you know I grew up in conservative Cleveland Ohio in the 1970s like weed is like you know it's the same it's on the same level as cocaine in Cleveland right? right so so the idea that like it's you know legal here so I've had to reset my verbiage around that like you know I get why you're doing it of course it's legal but here's the thing i would say i probably do that you know every third to fourth patient so 25 30 wow. of the time yeah I mean, we use a lot of weed here
0: yeah 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 and yeah. well you you scared him so it was good it was it worked yeah. well
4: there's no you know you need sperm like it just doesn't work otherwise
2: it's <laughs> a key component One do you thing. know <laughs> if um if like there are different like CBD versus THC versus Indica, like, do they all have the same effect?
4: That's a great question. I, I would say that we don't have enough data to know mm-hmm. the answer to that question. And, and the interesting thing is we have very good data that, you know, sperm actually has receptors for marijuana on it, right? So, like, it actually, like, attaches to the sperm and, you know, deems it pretty dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. We don't really have that same, you know, correlation in women and it's still not a great idea to be using it, right? So vaping and marijuana and all those things that are legal but we don't have outcome data for, it's just not a great idea.
0: Yeah, so um What do you, like, just because I just finished talking about me and Carl, and then we can move on about, like, greater questions about infertility and stuff, but what do you remember about sort of our case? Like, I know we conceived on IUI first try. Is that typical of your patients? What do you...
4: So, I would say a couple of things. The first thing about your case, well, two things strike me. One, an absolute commitment to as natural a process as possible. Like, you were just, that was what you wanted. Um, and two, a willingness to make change. So, you know, I, I I mean, I always jokingly say, you know, like I do IVF a couple times a year for people who just are not willing to stop things like marijuana, like they could get there. They just won't get there. So I think those two things were actually really important. Um, and I think that you came to the process wanting to do something to fix the problem. A lot of people come to the process wanting the outcome to change. Mm-hmm. but not being willing to do something to fix the problem. And, you know, everybody's something is different. Yours was like, I'm willing to, ha- this guy's going to stop using marijuana. Some pe- For some people, it's like you got to lose X number of pounds and change your eating habits. For some mm-hmm. people, it's like you've got to embrace the reality that if you want this to happen, you got to do IVF, right? Mm-hmm. But I think what was striking about your case is your willingness, and not everybody comes to it with that.
0: That's cool. That's- I mean, I, I'll, I'll give... I'll give Carl a lot of credit for that, too, because he was being asked to do. I mean, I was asked to do a procedure where purple dye goes up my cervix. But <laughs> Carl was asked to change his lifestyle and he had it was hard. Yeah. And I'm yeah, I'm grateful yeah. For, him for that. I think
1: that's good advice going into any doctor's visit or even like therapy or I don't know, like any any time that you're going for healing or advice for your well-being. Like you have to be willing to put in the work for the outcome that you want.
4: And then you asked a question about, you know, IUI outcomes. I mean, typically IUI outcomes are about 18, 20% per cycle. Like they're not great, you know, hmm. but to be clear, not only were they willing to change, they were willing to wait for the change to take effect. Right. Mm. So I said 90 days and they're like, okay, we'll wait 90 days. And, you know, most people are like, well, can you make it happen next cycle? Can't do that. Right. Mm.
0: So. Interesting. Yeah. And I mean, is, it is IUI have a low rate because the cause of infertility a lot of times is male, like because you because no. even the day I had the procedure, you had said Carl sperm looks a little on the low right. end. I don't know that this right. will
4: work. I think the reason that IUI is effective is because the cause usually is not male, right? I mean, IUI okay, is really okay. per, gotcha. it's particularly effective for male factor fertility. The idea is you get more sperm around eggs but a lot of times the issue isn't really the sperm. I mean, nine times out of 10, the issue isn't the sperm. The issue is most commonly in the Bay Area, age-related infertility, and IUI does not fix that, right? You can partner medications with IUI to get to that 18% if you're really doing well, um, and that's about having you know more sperm around the multiple eggs that you're trying to stimulate. But what IUI does not fix is egg issues, and nine times out of 10, the patients that we're seeing have egg issues.
1: I was wondering what the most affordable way to test for your ovulation is.
4: Well, I mean, I think for the average person, the most affordable way to do it is an ovulation predictor kit. Um, And the caveat to that is people who have wildly irregular cycles. So if you have polycystic ovary syndrome or, you know, Otherwise put, if you are somebody who like, you know, sometimes bleeds every two weeks and sometimes bleeds every six months, Mm -hmm. like, you know, those are not cost effective. And frankly, nothing's cost effective in that model. In that model, what's cost effective is Clomid to make you ovulate. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But if you are, you know, sort of the average woman who has, and and the definition of average is cycles between 25 and 35 days, you know, most women who fall into that group actually have fairly predictable times when they ovulate. And so once you figure out when that window is, you can test that seven days. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to like, you know, think it's going to be 19 days one month and, you know, on 21 days the next month and 12 days the next month, right? So for the average person, ovulation predictor kits are going to hit it because the cycles are pretty tight.
0: When you say ovulation predictor kits, those are, you pee on? Yeah. So the one that I would
4: recommend people get because they're cheap and easy are, you know, the ones where you literally pee on a stick just like a pregnancy test, right? Like, I mean, then you get the Walgreens generic brand or the CVS generic Mm -hmm. brand or whatever, you know, store you have near you generic brand
1: so can you give
0: our listeners a little bit of a rundown on IVF and IUI um I was talking before and I did not do a good job of explaining either I don't use her <laughs> fingers <laughs> a lot IVF oh I like. that's there's so cute. and then there's something um I, yeah just give us like a rundown of, of those procedures and the pros and cons of I them. was looking to see
4: if I had my like uterus and I do but then I realized it was a podcast and nobody would be able to see it so right uh, forget it <laughs>
1: yeah.
4: Okay, differences between IUI, which means intrauterine insemination, and IVF, which means in vitro fertilization. Um, so um, intrauterine insemination is the idea that you can improve pregnancy rates by decreasing the distance and um, uh, of sperm to the egg, right? I mean, that's sort of the fundamental background. It was designed for folks that had male factor, which is a, a fancy way of saying either lower sperm. Counts um, so less concentration or you know less moving sperm, right? Um, but you still need some minimums. What you really need to see, ideally, is 10 million moving sperm after the wash. If you have absolutely no female issues at all, you're working with a you know a female partner or an egg age that's less than 35. Typically, pregnancy rates are about 20 to 25 percent per cycle, and so your IUI rate should be that as well, right? But you heard me say that most IUI rates are lower, and the reason is because most people that are doing IUI, at least in the Bay Area, I can't, you know, the Midwest is a different ballgame. People have their kids, like, literally when they finish college and, you know, whatever. But here, no one's having their kids until they're in their, you know, mid to late 30s and, you know, often in their early 40s. So you, by definition, have an egg issue, which means that your IUI is not going to touch your egg issue. It's just going to put sperm closer to the egg that has the issue, Mm -hmm. right? So that's where the use of IUI kind of falls out off. Um, the idea of partnering IUI with medications is that if you believe that a given egg has an X percent chance of being healthy, Then if you get more eggs to release at once, maybe you can overcome those statistics by having multiple eggs present as you're putting the sperm close by. You're not really solving a male factor in that scenario. There may also be one, but the goal is to try and super ovulate the woman, put a lot of sperm close to the eggs, and now you can hopefully get one of those eggs or embryos then to do its job.
0: Now we just did an episode where Meg Trowbridge um researched and presented over uh, information on ovaries because we were like, what's let's uh-huh. talk about ovaries. So <laughs> that the, the the medication that you're talking about that would release more eggs, what is that ha- What hormone does that have that makes the ovary like just go bloop? Here's a bunch of eggs?
4: Sometimes none. So Clomid and Letrozole actually are anti-estrogens. They don't, they're not themselves the hormone that stimulates eggs. What they do is they tell the pituitary gland that there's an absence of estrogen hanging out. And so your body's like, well, let's make more estrogen. Well, the way you make estrogen is by releasing LH and FSH and getting the ovaries to do their job, right? Mm -hmm. So Oral medications aren't necessarily giving you a hormone. They're actually blocking the action of estrogen and therefore causing your body to try and produce more hormone. But there's a limit to that.
0: Okay, it's Kate again. Real quick, um, something weird happened with our audio right before Dr. Lane finished her description of IUI and then went into IVF. So just in case it's not clear, she just finished going over a rundown of what IUI or intrauterine insemination is and now she's about to talk about IVF, in vitro fertilization.
4: So in that scenario, we're giving you injectables. We're trying to push the ovary as hard as we can. We're like, "Pituitary gland, you can't work hard enough. Let's just give you injectables and make the ovary work hard." We get as many eggs as we can, and we take those eggs out. We mix them in a dish with sperm, and mixing means either we put a bunch of sperm on top of them or we inject a single egg with sperm. And then we stick them in the incubator for four or anywhere from 3 to 5 days. And Then we're putting back a single, sometimes two, uh, blastocysts. There are other things that we can do in that scenario that we can't do in insemination. So, for example, we can test an embryo and actually make sure that it's genetically normal. In that case, we're actually, you know, getting to that day five stage of the embryo. We're actually taking some cells off and sending them off to a lab to test. And we're freezing the embryo, waiting until we get the results back. And if you have a genetically normal embryo, then that's what you put back one genetically normal embryo, right? You shouldn't be putting back two or three or four or whatever because now you're just forcing twins, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Right, And so I think those are the two sides of the, you know, stimulation equation, either oral medications, you know, and maybe intrauterine insemination, or we're using injectable medications and we're getting lots of eggs. And in that case, we really need to be thoughtful about, not having a bunch of them release and not creating the next John and Kate plus eight or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever quads by surprise or quints by the, whatever the next TV yeah. show is. Wow.
1: Sure. So do people come to you that may have had genetic issues going into the process and decide to do IVF no matter what their age? For sure.
4: Yeah. I mean, I would say that's not the majority of our patients, um, but it definitely happens. We've had folks that had cystic fibrosis, folks that have, BRCA, yeah, yeah. folks that, Broca you know, gene, the yeah. breast cancer gene, right, F- folks that have Huntington's disease, like all of those are things that you can test for in an embryo and then determine whether or not um, you wow. want to transfer any, any that given embryo. Crazy. Yeah.
0: That, I didn't know that. That's crazy. That
4: is crazy. Yeah. That's really it's cool. pretty awesome.
0: Okay. So one thing I want to talk to you about, <clears throat> which hmm. I didn't tell the listeners yet, but uh-oh. at my first ultrasound with you. So I've yeah. so I've I've confirmed pregnancy. We had two hCG le- or hCG yeah. levels. So everything's good. hCG, you were right. So yep. I go in, Carl can't be there because of COVID, and it's I'm supposed to be at 5 weeks 6 days along, which is when you should see a heartbeat. And so you yeah. stick me with a, a, a transvaginal ultrasound and you didn't see a heartbeat. So you yeah. were sort of prepare you told me to come back in a week yeah but you were preparing me for the worst you said yeah buy some pads this might be a miscarriage um it was a terrible week (laughs) i'm sorry no it's listen you got us pregnant it's all good we all know how it (laughs) ended. but it was it was a really hard week um I came back and you let me bring Carl this time because if it was going to be confirmed that there was a empty sack or whatever, yeah, I wasn't doing that twice with Kate <laughs> myself. Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but we saw a heartbeat the second time. Yeah, and yeah. So I guess my question is like, yeah, you know, what's the protocol of those? Of those heartbeats, and I guess this just also must mean you give a lot of bad yeah. news. Like this, this must be pretty common.
4: Yeah, I definitely think that people um, don't, uh, who are not in the field or haven't had the experience, don't see the downside of mm. uh, you know. A lot. So many people say, they're "Like, oh my god, you're just amazing work, and you bring babies into the world." And you know, like, yeah, that's true. And for every baby that you know um, is born, there were probably three or four that never got there. Wow. And so I think people don't necessarily, you know you know uh, the, the people that are in the field talk about sort of you know the toll that eventually starts to take on you um so you know with um with any given ultrasound i would say that you know i would never make a decision based on a single ultrasound so that's one thing i mean with rare rare exception i will never act on a single ultrasound you will stay on your medications we will see you get in a week we will just you know you know and yeah everybody's miserable during that week but it's worth it to get the people through that actually are going to have a good outcome, right? Five weeks and six days is the borderline of ultrasounds. But if I'm seeing you at six weeks and five days or seven weeks and the kid isn't tracking and the heartbeat isn't there, like we can look as many times as you want, but at some point we're going to have to cut bait and we're going to have to do something different, right? And that can be really hard for people to understand. It can be hard for them to sort of think, gosh, but There's something in the uterus. Maybe if we wait longer, it will get better, right? Um, And I usually allow people some time to process that, you know, but I think it's also important to recognize that the longer you hold out on these pregnancies that are not going to do what they want, you want them to do the harder it is to pass the pregnancy, right? You got to stop those meds. You got to get that tissue to pass. You don't want it to get sticky. You don't want to have to have a DNC. You don't want to get scar tissue in your uterus. Like you just, you don't want a bunch of things. I think my statement would be, yes, in your case, Kate, it was amazing that that second ultrasound hit its mark and that everything was off and running in the right direction. But when it's not doing that, it's just as important to sort of be able to pivot almost remove yourself from the emotions and because we all have them like you know believe me we all have them but to remove yourself from the emotions and be able to act on something that's going to save your your life and your body so that you can go on and
0: have absolutely another baby. do you know what yeah, i mean yeah and I, I appreciate that sentiment too because it had it been bad news the second time we would have been ready for it you know yeah and we were ready for so it.
4: And, and so to all of your listeners out there that are like, I cannot believe how incredibly, you know, um, straightforward and non-empathetic <laughs> I'm that they're hearing me be, I, I want them to understand that, like, you know, the emotion that you're not seeing in me is there. It's just that my job is to keep you alive and also to make sure that you can get to the outcome that you want, which is a baby.
1: I have a fertility question since we are all yeah. women of a certain age. Um, <laughs> which feels like a joke because we're all in our prime, obviously. I think we were told, Kate, were we told this by Dr. Kate, maybe, that um, our fertility window is potentially based on when our moms went into menopause?
4: Well, you know, I think the first thing is um, our prime of fertility is under the age of 32. So from thirty-two on, our fertility declines, right? Um, and I'm making no comment on how old any of you are. So of course you all are in the prime because you're all less than thirty-two. I mean you're like twenty, right? <laughs> um, but I think that um, you know it's it's that's an important point because society does not really present an opportunity for women that are entrenched in anything other than like high school, getting married and having a baby to have their kids during their prime. Mm -hmm. Like I I know very few careers that are in sync with that fertility prime. Okay. So I want to say that first and foremost, which is why just plug for, you know, freezing your eggs and nobody really wants to think about that. But like, if you know, you're going to med school and then going to residency, and you want to be a neurosurgeon. Freeze your eggs. Um, so that's the prime conversation. The second thing you asked was um, that Dr. Kate had said what now?
1: That our fertility um, window and decline is potentially mm-hmm. based on when our moms went through menopause.
4: So the best indicator of our menopause is when our mothers went through menopause, okay. right? That is a true fact. Mm-hmm. A second true fact is that typically most of us have a significant decline in our fertility about a decade prior to the time we go through menopause so average age of menopause in this country is 51 most women by the time they're 41 or 42 are kind of it's 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 dicey to get pregnant right so it's the fact that the menopause is a predictor of the next of your daughter's menopause you know and i mean that's a general statement it's not specific i certainly have people who come in you know, at a time when that window wouldn't make sense. um, And they look better than their moms probably looked based on when their Mm -hmm. moms went through menopause. But it's worth considering, right? But at least educate yourself about your own body's predictors. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean?
0: Is there a way to do that with with like simple blood tests or checkups with a doctor like yourself? Yeah. Like, what would you recommend for our listeners if mean, they're like twenty five?
4: Anybody can get an anti malarian hormone level ordered by anyone. Now, you know, your primary care person may not be able to interpret it, like they might, but they may not be able to. But it's a blood test. It's a lab slip and a blood test. Go get it. Anti-malarial hormone doesn't matter what day of your period you're in. Um, generally speaking, you need to be off hormones to get an accurate read. So if you're really suppressed on birth control pills, you know, may not be accurate. But if you're on birth control pills, you get it, and it's a good value, great, because it's not going to be any worse when you get off the pills. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that's an easy blood test. If you're looking to sort of get a sense of what your antral follicle count is, then, yeah, you probably got to go see a fertility specialist. Okay. The, and
0: what is the malaria – the anti – what is that The anti-malarian
4: count? well, the antimalarian hormone level isn't a count. It's a level that says – you know, here's what we think is going on in your ovary based on the fact that your follicles secrete this hormone. Mm -hmm. So if it's low, then now we have a bit of an aha moment and we're like, well, gosh, if it's low, we probably should dig a little deeper and figure out if that correlates well with what we're seeing in your ovaries. And now maybe you do need to be thoughtful about what your immediate steps are as opposed to waiting, you know, the five years that you were planning to wait. So AMH level is the easiest answer to your test yeah, and to your question. You know, there are actually some people that are now doing like, and I don't have the names, but I promise to find them and I'll email them to Kate. Like um, little prick tests. You know how like diabetics Yeah, do, I've yeah. seen,
1: I've heard
0: these mm-hmm. on podcasts yeah, being asked for AMH, which is really wow. great. I have... Yeah. So. Oh. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. So they're not scams.
4: No, they're not. Um. I, I'm going to send you the name of the one that that I actually someone in my office did it. Um. And 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 it was a very valid answer.
0: Hi, it's Kate again, and I want to let all the listeners know about that test that Dr. Lane is talking about. If you're so interested. The one that she sent me is called the at-home ovarian reserve test from letsgetchecked.com. Looks like you can buy it there. You can also buy it on CVS. Um, It says the ovarian reserve test is for anyone who is curious about their fertility status. If you want to find out how many eggs you have left, this test is for you. So she recommends it. That's good enough for me. All right, let's get back to the end of our talk. So you know I'm on TikTok
4: now, right? I've uh, seen my TikToks. What?
0: I've seen them on your Instagram. Uh, on my Instagram, they feed over. Yeah. So yeah,
4: so and one of the points I make about my TikTok um, or on TikTok is it's really sad to me the number of people who stay in a physician patient relationship that isn't working mm-hmm. for them, right? So uh, one of the things I've learned over time, and not well enough, I still get I still I still don't get it right every time. Um, but I'm always really saddened by the folks that are in a physician relationship. And this is a cross medicine. This is just not, you know, um, fertility. I just think it it hurts more in fertility for a lot of people. Um, That just isn't a good relationship for them. And they're either scared to move or they don't know how to move or they don't know how to look for someone new. I, I don't know what it is, but I guess my plug would be, if it isn't working for you, do something different. There are plenty of physicians out there. Not everybody's a personality fit. Not everybody's office is a cultural fit. That's okay. Just find something that works for you.
1: How do you feel about making that test more um, readily available and maybe even presented to patients by their primary doctor? Because I never even heard about that test. And I could see You're how about AMH levels. Yeah. I could see how yeah. some women would feel like that's being presumptuous if that their doctor presented it to them without them bringing it up but i also i i mean i'm 34 and i've never heard of that test i know i so yeah.
4: i would argue against it being presumptuous okay. and i mean
1: i mean it's so just, i can tell you information, the ASR right it's information yes, right
4: so So when the American Society of Reproductive Medicine came out with a statement, I was probably like, um, end of residency, beginning of fellowship. So we're talking like early 2000s. And it basically said women over the age of 35 should consider a fertility evaluation if they want to get pregnant over, you know, I mean, ever, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the women's groups were like, you know, how dare (laughs) you, right? How dare you tell us that we... So... I get where that comes mm-hmm. from, but you know, like we uh, presume to offer a thyroid stimulating hormone to everybody over the age of thirty on an annual basis because we know it matters. Mm-hmm. We presume to start testing, you know, lipid function tests at some age because we know it matters, right? right? We presume to start colonoscopies at fifty right. because we know it matters. So I think my argument against that would be um, if we are offering that test on an age related m- manner. Um, it's not presuming that everybody wants to get tested. It's giving them the option to be informed about a function that we take for granted. Right. Most of us take for granted that when we're ready to have kids, we'll be able to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true, Mm -hmm. right? And so if we want to change that perception, then we have to sort of mainstream it. So that's my opinion on that.
0: Usually when we have guests, they're not experts like yourself, like actually, I mean, we—they're everyone's an expert in their own body, but you're like actually so an expert. <laughs> um, so usually at this point, we've heard a lot of people's stories about their period journeys, and I don't really, you know, I don't want to keep you for much longer, but I do feel like we should still throw you our three crazy questions. Oh yeah, throw me your three crazy questions. Okay, so this, and you can tell us a little bit about your period and your menstrual history through these questions. Pro- probably can't, but we can try. <laughs> okay, um... <laughs> If you're a period, or I'm not sure where you are in your journey at this point, Mm, if you have a period. So, um, okay. So first of all, uh, then you can ask your questions. But
4: let me just tell you this, okay? So first of all, I'm an OB resident. We don't believe in periods, right? I mean, like we we get on birth control pills and we stay on birth (laughs) control pills continuously, (laughs) like until there's a reason not to be, right? So either you're like having a baby or you're on the pill. (laughs) And I'm I'm making a broad statement, a bit of a joke, but like that's the answer, okay? (laughs) Um, I mentioned it, and um, I didn't go th- through the entire conversation. But my grandmother had ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. My mother had a hysterectomy and had her ovaries removed. I had no interest in looking over my shoulder to see if I was going to get ovarian cancer. So as soon as I was done having kids, and my and I could, you know, negotiate it with my OB, my ovaries came out. So mm-hmm. I am highly associated with estradiol patches at a marina iud estradiol
0: estradiol is how you pronounce Uh it okay we've we've struggled with this word how do you pronounce it estradiol
4: (laughs) well that sounds lovely and in italy they probably do that no estradiol
0: estradiol okay estradiol anyway okay so well so go ahead crazy questions go so crazy questions this can be your period pre-ovary removal then there you go um Uh, If your period were a person, sorry, if your period was a person and could indulge in a comfort food of any kind, what food would your period have indulged in?
4: Back then, it would have been chocolate and Coke. Only from a can, though, because so. from a bottle, it's not really any good. Really? Yeah. What about
0: a glass bottle? What about a glass
4: bottle? Yes. No, no, no. For sure. Okay. Like, the old-fashioned glass bottles from, like, my grandmother in Richmond, Virginia, like, to die for. But they don't make those anymore. Not the real ones.
0: Yeah. I know what you mean, though, about the plastic mm-hmm.
2: bottles. No. Oh, yeah. Don't, no, don't. no, no. I don't even know what that's for. <laughs> right. Throw that out. Chocolate and Coke. I mean... Yeah, That's a a that feels like combo. the Midwest to me. <laughs> I mean, I am the Midwest, right? Yeah,
4: I've, I've transitioned to Diet Coke because, mm. like, the whole sugar weight gain thing. But, yeah, if it
2: weren't for that. Okay. <laughs> totally. Um, if your period was a TV character, who would it be?
4: Mm. I have to say I don't watch very much TV. I mean, I just have to preempt that. So She's a doctor. She doesn't right.
2: watch much TV. Do you read a lot no. of books?
4: I I'm not even gonna say that. I just have five kids, I, so I don't get to do much of anything in sure. my Oprah, right? Um <laughs> Oprah magazine once a month for the for the my favorite. Yeah. Yes. Your period um,
0: can be Oprah. Your
1: period <laughs> can be <laughs> no, like a character the, on Paw Patrol or whatever you're watching. I, I don't
4: know if I've ever characterized it. I mean, I feel like I very much would want my like so I'm going to say Madam Secretary, okay, because one, she is my favorite TV Mm. character, but two, because, you know, she, like, she would have made it be such a, like, non-issue in her world, Mm. because who's got time for periods, like, that's sort of how I feel about my period, like, you know, I just, I just can't be bothered with periods, I mean, and I know there are all these women who are like, oh, I have to bleed every month, Mm. and I'm good for them, but like, I'm like, that's,
1: bullshit <laughs> i have no interest we accept and all opinions of periods yeah. yeah
4: and i was tired of paying the tampax industry mm-hmm. like yeah, are you kidding seriously. me right now yeah. like how do you get to make all that money off of me yeah. no Oh, yeah. So Madam Se- I'm like Madam Secretary <laughs> okay. and only because she would have like made it, you know, she would have delegated it to someone else to have the
2: period. Like that's what she would have done. Yeah. I love it. If totally. Only. Outsourcing. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay.
1: Yeah. The last question is if a film could be made about your period, what would be the title? It could be a pre existing film or a made up title.
4: Yeah, one about delegation. Like, seriously, I don't even know what
1: that one that is. The delicate. Um, the delicate. Yeah, or,
4: or, or, or like something that was non-existent. I, I, I truly, I think people put way too much value on having a period, right, mm. without understanding what it means to have a period. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, people feel like they need to bleed every month. They don't even understand why they're bleeding, right? So mm. what was important to me was that I could ovulate and that I could have kids and that my anatomy was in check. I don't care about bleeding. It is, like, such a colossal inconvenience you know what I mean and so and that's a very scientific approach and I am not I swear I just want to say this publicly again I am not judging people who are obsessed or who have interest or who like their period I'm just not that person I'm like <laughs> I can't be bothered
0: if you so if you hosted if you hosted this podcast you would just be like I'm done I'm done with this, <laughs> <laughs> the Why are we this still here? one up and done <laughs> I feel like I want to continue this conversation forever. I know. Like, you are such a delight to talk to. You well, know, call me f- back. We would okay, love sure. to. I'll come yeah. another time. <laughs> well, about for it. sure, because I'm sure our listeners are going to have questions. I'm sure they'll want to know more Perfect. about you. Where can they find you and your practice?
4: Oh, goodness. So um, our practice is in San Francisco, Lane Fertility Institute. But the interesting thing is you're going to – this is going to make you laugh. 40% of our patients don't live in the Bay Area. Really? 40% wow. of our patients – yeah. Forty percent of our patients are like we are consulting over Zoom. We're using partner clinics to get their workup done, wow, wow. and they come in for their treatments. And wow. so, anyway, Lane Fertility Institute, and we do a lot of stuff on um, you know on 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 virtual platforms now.
0: Awesome. awesome. We'll definitely share your Instagram. We have an Instagram, so we'll connect Thank with you. you. Yeah. And you guys should
4: all get on TikTok until they cancel it. <laughs> it's so, it is so fun. Like, it is my exercise right
0: now. That's TikTok. awesome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much oh, for, thanks for having me, being on this and guiding us through all these things we don't know, for helping me and the Megs have a podcast baby. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. You're so
4: welcome.
2: You're We're so welcome. i are so excited.
0: I love Dr. Lane. She's great. I she's, really love her. Yeah, she's
2: wonderful. Yeah, like you said, like you set her up so right. It was like she's really like straightforward. Mm-hmm. Like she tells it like it is, and that's like it feels really refreshing.
1: It's always cool to hear someone nerd out about something they know so much about. Yeah. <laughs> and
2: like,
0: as a patient, you have to like just like eyes wide open, like absorb everything she's saying. Yeah, yeah. we learn so much. I think. Anyone who's has a fertility podcast should book her immediately because you could get real into the weeds. For
2: sure. Mm. Agreed. Also, how cool that we did the ovary episode leading in because then she said a couple things where I was like, I said that. I know word. what you
1: mean. I already forgot what it means, but I recognize it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think she had some a really nice way of framing to the fact that like societally we feel like in our prime or not even in our prime yet as people in our, as women in our mid thirties. I feel like like it still has yet to come. Our generation
2: got so bunked (laughs) multiple times.
1: Yeah. Um, But I like that she, I mean, she didn't, um, she didn't deny that as a fact, but she was able to frame our fertility prime as different from our prime societally and in our job. And also point out that, Jobs are not meant for women to have a job and be mothers. There are very mm-hmm. few that are supportive of that. It's, it's still very like one or the other, or it, good luck. I hope you live yeah. by family, um, or you're really rich. <laughs> yeah. um, so I appreciated that, that framing.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, she has to be realistic with the science, and the science is saying one thing and our society says another.
1: I think I might do that test. You should. Yeah. Because yeah. she said you could do it A- AMH. Because I have to go to get my colposcopy eventually. Um, mm. So maybe I can ask them to do to do that. Because I would just go to the lab probably, right? It's just, it's just blood work. Also, artwork. didn't
0: you love that I didn't know that I had that test? Like, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, like, yeah. I, like, know what you're getting your blood test for. <laughs> I was just like, okay, sure. Here's an arm. <laughs> <clears throat> I regret
2: So much. Don't regret anything. It all worked.
1: Well, that does it for this episode, our dear listeners. Uh, Make sure to find us on Instagram at Vicious Cycle Podcast. Send us to a loved one. Uh, We love welcoming new listeners into our community. Um, But mostly just keep listening because next week we are going to continue the conversation about infertility with our buddy Millie Brooks and we're gonna chat a little bit about IVF um so join us next week for that have a lovely week and until then keep calm and bleed everywhere